0: Hey kids, Uh, we are so uh, glad to have had you in for the first part. Uh, Rose, Toby and Rachel, amazing reading. Wish I could speak like you guys. Um, It's time for your big Christmas party and so your leaders are going to take you out through these doors here uh, and have a lot of fun with you for the next half an hour while the adults sit in here and don't have a party. We're all very, very jealous of you. Good afternoon. It's good to see you all. Uh, it's just great. We, I, I, Abby's not here, I've not been here on a Sunday for uh, ages, it feels. So it's just really good to see some of your faces I've not seen in a while and uh, to be back uh, with the rest of the church. Um, but I hope you're doing well. Um, I had a whole thing planned with pictures of celebrities as babies and stuff and then Nicola Sturgeon, half-five yesterday, popped up and I just thought, like, that was grim. And I'd rather just acknowledge the fact that that was grim, and that none of us heard that news, and we're happy to hear it. And so, like, can we just acknowledge at the outset that for some of us in here, it feels like Christmas has been cancelled. It feels like the the wind has been knocked out of our sails a touch. And um, I'm glad this this afternoon that we are in John chapter one because we we've reached the crescendo of our three week series in. At looking at the miracles of Jesus. We've been asking, do you expect me to believe this? And this morning we're going to reach the real substance, the heart of the Christmas story, which is the baby in the manger who is worshipped as God. And I really hope this today that you see that this baby born 2,000 years ago, sleeping in a stable, actually is the reason that no virus can steal our joy, is the reason that Christmas Day for some of us might be cancelled, that the substance of Christmas cannot uh, be cancelled. So I'm really eager to dive in with you. Now I'm aware maybe you're watching at home or you're here and it's uh, your first time in church or you're new to this whole Christianity thing and you maybe haven't even spent much time thinking about Christmas. Christmas for you might be just that day where you eat turkey and have fun. And so I don't want to just dive in and presume that you know what I'm talking about. So I'm, I want to do two things this afternoon. The first is just to say, what do we actually believe about Christmas? Why all the fuss? Why are we singing and shouting and, and full of joy? And the second, and I really want to kind of camp out here a bit more, is why should you even care? Why does it matter? that Jesus was born on Christmas Day. So I'm going to read for us from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And um, I'm going to start in verse 1. And if you have a Bible, would you follow along? If not, it will be on the screen behind me as I go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And we'll go forward to verse 11. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. We pray for us, and then we'll jump in together. Father, we thank you for Christmas, Lord. We thank you for the, the joy of Christmas, Lord, all the wonderful uh, things that we uh, experience at Christmas, Lord, but we, we just want to pull back the veneer a bit. This afternoon and gaze on Jesus, Lord. So just pray that you'd come by the power of your spirit. Help us to see Jesus, Lord. We we don't want uh, to spend this time together and not come out of here praising him, Lord. So would you make Jesus big as I speak, and would you wow us and amaze us with his glory? In Jesus' name, amen. So who is this baby? We saw this uh, nativity scene on the on the screen here and uh, aside from the uh, terrible singer was the baby a real person's face like in the stable just sticking up it was good i enjoyed it (laughs) but who is that baby in a manger it's such a kind of cliche scene isn't it like you go to a town square and there's hay and there's donkeys and there's a little baby pristine uh, and seemingly at peace who is he Well, the Apostle John's answer in one sentence is that Jesus is the Word become flesh who dwelt among us. So I just want to spend the first 10 minutes of our time together just picking apart that. So what does it mean that Jesus is the Word? Well, this afternoon, if I wasn't speaking, if I was just up here kind of, you know, dancing, maybe hopping around, you'd have no idea what I'm trying to communicate to you. What was up here would stay up here. And you would all leave here thinking, I am not going back to Glasgow Grace because that guy was dancing. It would be totally impossible for me to communicate to you without words. Words are the way that we reveal ourselves into the world. So when John says that Jesus is the word of God, he's saying that Jesus reveals who God is. Jesus is the word that God speaks to show us what he is like Elsewhere, the biblical writers will say that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. I want us just to stop there a minute because it's easy to rush to the baby. Who is this baby? Before the baby, Jesus was God forever. He sat enthroned in heaven. John goes on to say that he made everything. He keeps everything spinning. It's as though if we were to peel back the layers of the universe Underneath the atoms and the subatomic particles, we would find a scribble that says, made by JC. Jesus is the uncreated creator of the cosmos. Everything that was made was made by him. And without Jesus, nothing was made. Now, I'm aware that you might not even believe in God. You're thinking, well, it's great that Jesus is God, but who cares if there isn't one? Well, let me say this to you. Christmas is funny, isn't it? All sorts of people who hate tradition and spend the years like avoiding anything that kind of religious scent to it suddenly start sticking candles and oranges and putting up trees and covering their house in lights. And if things aren't right in line with tradition, everyone freaks out. I really think what's going on there is what, at the end, wonderful uh, Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor he calls this the hauntedness of a secular age what he means by that is that plenty of us now say with our mouths believe with our minds that there's nothing more going on than this it's just material there's nothing but we know we know right in here that there's something more and we are desperate to get in on that thing that's bigger than us we're haunted by it, whether it's social justice, a political cause, whether it's family, whether it's a traditional idea of God, Christmas tends to bring out that thing in us where we go, there's something bigger than me. There's something more going on in the universe than just me and my life, and I want in on it. So if you want to tell me that you don't believe in a monotheistic God, the God of the Bible, then sure, I believe you. But I don't believe you that you don't have a God of what the Bible calls the Word, the seat of joy and meaning and purpose and fulfillment in your life. The atheist author David Foster Wallace famously put it this way. He said, in the day-to-day trenches of adult life, there is actually no such thing as atheism. There is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. So when John says that Jesus is the word, he's saying that whatever it is that you're after in life, whatever it is that is at the end of the road for you, what is the, the fullness that you are aiming towards? John will say that is Jesus. The reason that you are haunted by something greater than you is because Jesus is the word from all eternity. He's the something behind our something. Jesus made all things, and he keeps all things spinning, and he is the source of every joy, every happiness, every moment of sheer wonder. The Word, Jesus, is the source. John goes on, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I'm reading a great book just now by Bill Bryson. It's just called The Body. I don't know if any of you have read it. It's uh, Andy Give me a wee nod there. It's fascinating. It's so good. It's just one of these books that you're reading it, and uh, I'm lying in bed reading it with Abby, and she's really annoyed because every 10 seconds I'm like, listen to this sentence. Listen to this cool fact. blah And uh, in the first kind of 10 pages, there's this great passage that uh, I'm going to read to you just now in full. And uh, Bill Bryson says this. He says, unpacked, you are positively enormous. Your lungs smoothed out would cover a tennis court. The airways within your lungs would stretch from London to Moscow. The length of all of your blood vessels would take you two and a half times around the Earth. But the most remarkable part of all is your DNA. You have a meter of it packed into every cell, and so many cells that if you formed all of the DNA in your body into a single strand, it would stretch 10 billion miles to beyond Pluto. Think of it. There is enough of you to leave the solar system. You are in the most literal sense cosmic. That's brilliant, isn't it? That I was reading that, and I just had this thought that in a like genuinely real sense, we are bigger on the inside than we are on the outside. Like little old me stretching to Pluto—it's outrageous. And actually, that description, bigger on the inside than the outside—that's what C.S. Lewis says about Christmas, about the stable. On Christmas Day, we find a stable. And in the stable, we find the light of all the world. A stable that is bigger on the inside than everything on the outside. The Word from all eternity. The creator of everything that we see. The source of every goodness. The God who the Bible says has been enthroned for eternity. The angels gather round Him singing, holy, holy Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they've been singing that song for eternity. That God was born in a stinking manger. In the Christmas story, we come across a stable with God himself living in it. Christians have long believed in what the ancient uh, Christians called the hypostatic union. All that means is that Jesus wasn't just a great guy. He also wasn't just God pretending to be a man for a while until he shot off again to do God things. No, he is fully God and at the same time he is fully, for the rest of time, a human man. We'll unpack that as we go on, but here is the earth-shattering reality behind the cliche nativity scene. In 2 or 3 AD, this world was kept spinning on its axis by a newborn baby. Sometimes I wonder, how did the stable not burst open at its seams when Mary gave birth? How did Jesus grabbing around Mary's index finger, not singe her skin. Whatever the answer, here's the reality. The king of heaven has come to us. But He has come as a wailing infant, ruling from his manger throne, crowned with tufts of jet black baby hair, gripping his royal scepter, a peasant's index finger. That is the God that we see in the Christmas story. Some of you may be thinking, that's great. I understand now what you believe about Christmas. A God who becomes flesh. But why should I care? God or not, a baby was born 2,000 years ago. Why should I care? Well, here's what I want to do with the rest of our time. I want to give you three reasons that Christmas really matters. Why, what you believe about Christmas is one of the most important things about you. And our three reasons are this. Christmas is God coming to us. Christmas is God becoming like us. And Christmas is God making us like him. Let's begin with God coming to us. I wonder how you view the Christian God in your maybe weaker moments if you're a member of our church or or if you are someone who's never really engaged with faith what is your kind of natural view of God is he a cosmic Santa Claus sees you when you're sleeping and he knows when you're awake and he's got a good list and a naughty list and if you don't stay in line it's coal for Christmas Maybe he's like Scrooge, humbugging his way to ruining any fun that we might actually want to have. Is he looking down in heaven, a divine buzzkill with a stiff upper lip, demanding that we become more serious? Or maybe he's like the elf on the shelf, a tool made by humans to keep naughty children in line. It's easy with kids, right? The elf's watching. Is Jesus just a tool made by man so we can say God's watching, keep in line. All these ideas, they share one thing in common, and it's that in these pictures, God is distant, he's basically cruel, and he's unconcerned. And there's something that I have to do to win affection and attention from him. Every single religion invented in history has held this view of God. We've made it a bit more Christmassy today, but this is the dominant view of God. Every religion basically says this, behave a certain way and God will approve of you. Do these certain religious things and you can climb the ladder to God. But whether you believe in God or not, you most likely operate out of that assumption day to day. Now, whether it's fitness regimes, morning routines... A new fad diet, our relentless march towards self-improvement through self-help books. We, all of us, have this nagging, natural sense that if we do the right things, we will get to God or get to what we've called the Word. We believe that if we continue on the trajectory of self-improvement, we can finally, finally find fulfillment. Whether for you that's religious do goodery or a kind of non stop march of self improvement, we are used to trying to climb our way to God. The message of Christmas is that you cannot make it to God. You are so full of what the Bible calls sin that you could try for billions of years and you'd only end up further back than when you started. You're that broken that you are so loved that God himself would climb down the ladder toward you. In Christmas, we see a God who loves us so much that he would come to us. A God who isn't content to just sit in the clouds, distant and judgmental and mean, but who enters the fray, who comes to us. We see a God who gives us the free gift on Jesus with no strings attached, no entry requirements, nothing to pay. God doesn't just give us a begrudging hand up, He gives us Himself. That means that you can be freed because of Christmas from the constant self improvement, freed from the weight of religious performance. Christmas says that you have nothing to prove. Because God in Jesus approves of you. So that's reason number one. God comes to us. Number two, God becomes like us. Now, a few years ago, uh, Abby and I went to Hungary for my cousin Andrew's wedding. And uh, Andrew's from Hull. And uh, the fact it was in Hungary gives away his wife is Hungarian. And uh, there's a bit of a communication issue there, um, <laughs> which is that Andrew's from Hull, so he can barely speak English, never mind Hungarian. And I hope he's not watching. But um, communication was sometimes difficult. Hungarian is a nightmare of a language. And he's kind of plugging away for a few years, trying to just even get some basic phrases down. And her English is good, but there was moments where she was tired, where it just wasn't working. And um, Andrew kind of plugged away at learning. And uh, on their wedding day in Hungary, there's this great moment where they're exchanging their vows in English. And uh, Andrew stops speaking in English. And he says this, and please forgive me. He says, Lakatosh ona, igerem neked hogi soha, nem junok meg seretni teged. And behind him, he said it so much better than that, by the way. Behind him on the screen, it said, Ona Lakatosh, I promise that as long as I live, I will never stop loving you. I mean, what a moment, right? You're like, Honestly, he like worked so hard at that. And you're like, what a picture of marriage where he comes to her, learning her language. That is also a picture of the reality of Christmas. If Jesus is the word become flesh, he's a word spoken in our language. He's a word not come to lord over us, to live with us. You know, I love the message interpretation of verse 14 of John 1. It says this. It says, the word put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. not that great? Moved into the neighborhood. Now, at Christmas, I get the absolute joy of delivering gifts to struggling families or in Glasgow with my job. And it's wonderful to see the gratitude. I absolutely love doing it. But I drop them off and I go home. And there's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus, the love of Jesus goes so much further. He moves out of his wonderful home in heaven. and He moves into the muck and the mess of human life. Christmas means that God himself has been through the sleepless nights. God himself took sick days off of work. He worked long days under the sun. He was betrayed. He laughed. He loved. He got sick. God himself took on every single thing that it means to be human. My favorite ancient guy, St. Augustine, he puts it this way. He says, man's maker was made man so that he ruler of the stars might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die one day the baby Jesus, he's easy when he's a baby. One day he would grow up and he would trade his wooden manger for a wooden cross. He would trade his cute crown of baby hair for a crown of thorns. Christmas reminds us that on Good Friday, the blood that Jesus bled wasn't the blood of a martyr. It was the blood of God himself. Christmas points us to the day when, hanging on a Roman cross, Jesus traded his gurgling and cooing in the cradle for the greatest words ever uttered. It is finished. As Jesus took on our humanity. He didn't just come to say hi. He became our new representative. He stands before God The almost proto-type of humanity and says, hey, I'll represent them. When Scotland qualified for the Euros a couple months ago, I felt like I was right there with them, right? They'd done it for me. They'd done it for all of us. It's the exact same thing. Jesus stands before God, the representative for humanity. We become bound up in his accomplishments. Do you know that means that you can trust him? God himself knows what it's like to be you. He knows what it's like to live a human life. The book of Hebrews puts it this way. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. Therefore, let us approach the throne of God with confidence. What does that mean? It means in the words of one writer that the word became flesh and not newsprint because he had something to accomplish. He didn't just come to say, hey, here's how to be better. He came to be better on our behalf. That's the message of Christmas because God has come in the flesh. He has come to us. He has become like us. He has redeemed us. And that's our third reason to care about Christmas that in Christmas, God makes us like him. If you have a Bible with you, would you look at verses 11 to 13 again of John chapter 1? Say, he came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I wonder if you remember when you were young that dreaded feeling on christmas day it's 10 p.m you know you can hear your mum and dad's downstairs and you're thinking like when are they going to tell me to go to bed the christmas is almost over for another year dinner's eaten presents are open and just that like looming dread that tomorrow is turkey curry day the christmas blues are real aren't they even if you're not six or seven anymore the christmas blues are real after all the fun and joy and festivities, we genuinely can't help but feel, is that it? Is that what we were building up to for all these months? And if I was to take a swing at what was going on in our hearts at that moment, I would say this, that we were made for the substance of Christmas. The baby born in a manger, God become flesh to redeem us from our sins, but we have focused on the shadow of focused on the the turkey and the presents and the lights. And when we do that, we wake up on December 26th when the, the presents are unwrapped and the food baby is well and truly conceived. And we do find it's only December the 26th. Light hasn't broken into our darkness. Nothing has really changed. But today... The real offer of Christmas to you is turn from that shadow. Turn from the living for a one-day escape from the humdrum of life. Turn to Jesus who offers lasting joy. In all of our darkness, the light of Christmas, Jesus Christ is not going out. In C.S. Lewis's uh, children's book, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, uh, the children crawl through the cupboard into Narnia, and they find a world stuck in winter. It's even worse than that. They find a world stuck in winter, and it's never Christmas. I think 2020 feels touch like that. Always winter, and it's never Christmas. Feels a wee bit to me like the rug just keeps getting swept out from under our feet. Like it just is going on and on and on. But here's the good news because of Jesus, a world is coming where it will be always Christmas and never winter. Always Christmas, never winter. Jesus came and offered us light, and He is coming back to drive out the darkness for good. You know, this afternoon, I am so aware that we kind of fall into two camps. There's those of us who are clinging on for dear life to the idea of the 25th of December. Like, just get me to that day and all will be well. And then there's some of us who are going, my plans are in the air. I can't get home. I don't know what I'm doing. All of that stuff has been swept out from underneath me. To both of these groups, the shadow The turkey, the lights, the crackers, the chocolate, all the joy of these things is only a shadow. And it's a shadow cast from the substance of Christmas. The word become flesh. So whether you are clinging on for dear life, or you are just in a pit of, I don't know what I'm going to do this year, Christmas isn't cancelled. Jesus is still On the throne, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Because of that, there is hope. Before I finish, let me read these words to you. They are from an author, Frederick Brunner. And I want to just read them over us as a kind of invitation today to return to Jesus. Come into union with the word who made you. And you will come to life. You came from him. Please come back to him. You were made for him. And the result of this reunion will be more than human existence. It will be human life. Let me pray. Lord, we are so aware that we just are sitting in this in-between state of tension right now where we're so excited for Christmas and yet we're so aware that nothing is the same. And yet, Lord, we rejoice together that Jesus is the same. The truth of Christmas that God has come to us doesn't change. And so, Lord, I just pray for us. I pray that you would fill us with Christmas joy, fill us with hope, fill us with light, Help us to know, Lord, that nothing can steal the reality of Christmas from us. Just pray, God, that that would sink into our hearts. Lord, we praise you for all you have done. You are not distant. You are near. You became flesh and dwelled among us. We love you, Jesus. Amen.